This podcast is sponsored by Drax. As the UK's largest renewable electricity generator, Drax plays a critical role in UK energy security. They have committed to invest £2.5 billion in new green energy infrastructure, creating jobs and growth across the country. Find out more at Drax.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shops, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. Winter is coming and coming with it are concerns that the UK's energy supply is not totally secure. Last week, the National Grid warned that an excess shortage of gas could see households experiencing blackouts for up to three hours at a time as part of its contingency plans. This morning, Laura Koonsberg was joined by the Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, Nadim Zahawi, to discuss what the government was doing to stave off such a scenario. Is the government preparing for the possibility of blackouts? So it is a very unlikely scenario. National Grid put out their report. I chair the meetings on resilience, and we have done a couple of things that actually make us more resilient. One, we've got the same buffer uh, in terms of energy as last year. Two, we have made sure that we continue to invest in our gas. So gas production is up 26% uh, this year. We've also got the second largest LNG processing terminal in Europe, in the United Kingdom. So I'm confident um, that the resilience is there, that people can enjoy their Christmas um, and feel that their government is behind them, helping them with their energy bills. And also, uh, in, we, we have to make sure that that, that resilience um, is in place. The way you do that is by you know, working on all these things, including, of course, investing in nuclear and renewables. So you are preparing, though, for the possibility of blackouts. We hear that you, in your view, it's unlikely and you're confident that the government has enough resilience to be able to cope. But to be completely clear, you are preparing for the possibility of blackouts. Right, let me be completely clear. It is extremely unlikely. Um, we have the same buffer as we had last year in the energy system. But we have war on our continent. You were just showing pictures earlier of that uh, bridge being hit, uh, the bridge that connects Crimea to Russia. Uh, we have war on our continent. We have interconnectors with our neighbours. Um, in the extreme unlikely event of you know, several things having to sort of align in a bad way, uh, that's what National Grid was talking about. I don't believe that will happen. We are making sure that doesn't happen by investing, of course, in our own. We produce about half of our own gas at the moment. We import half. But we've got the second largest terminal. And if you look at what Centrica and other companies have done to secure more gas into the UK. We only take 3% of gas from Russia. We're in that, in that sort of fortunate position compared to some of our neighbours in Europe. So we are, of course, looking at every scenario. You'd expect no less from the chief operating officer of the government, Laura, that, to look at every scenario. But it is extremely unlikely because of the measures we've taken. Koonsberg also spoke to Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon. The SNP is currently hosting its annual party conference in Aberdeen, and the Scottish Government is hopeful it will win a Supreme Court case on the legality of holding a second independence referendum in 2023. Koonsberg challenged Sturgeon over whether there was still the same appetite for such a referendum. The question of the arguments for and against independence is a different one to whether there really is public clamour, public demand for a vote within the next year in 12 months, which is what, which is what you would like. And, and what, we've, what we've shown people this morning is there isn't a huge clamour to have a vote and the arguments are pretty settled 
Look, I fought an election on this manifesto commitment and won the election overwhelmingly. You know, I, I believe that there is an appetite for a referendum. The opinion mm -hmm. polls on this question, even more than opinion polls on the headline uh, issue, uh, come and go and, and ebb and That's flow. Right. But at the end of the day, I, I believe very firmly, and I think this is a, a, a bit of an iron law of politics, uh, if the other side of this debate really believed people in Scotland didn't want a referendum, and if they really believed that people in Scotland would vote against independence, they would be the ones clamouring for a, a referendum Maybe they right just now. don't want the disruption. Uh, they don't well, want people to go through well, it again. For goodness sake. I mean, disruption? I mean, perish the thought that we would have disruption in people's lives right now. The disruption that people are suffering right now are coming from decisions that have been imposed on Scotland against our will. Koonsberg finished the interview by asking Sturgeon about her relations with the other political parties and their leaders. Um, is Liz Truss a friend or a foe? Uh, we're political opponents, but I've always tried to work with her predecessors and I will try to work with her. So I would like to be a friend on the basis of uh, the areas where we can work together constructively. And what about Keir Starmer, friend or foe? I work very well with Keir Starmer over Brexit. I'm really disappointed that Keir Starmer um, has thrown in the towel on uh, the European Union and no longer wants to take the UK or Scotland back into the and European Union. who would you Union. rather have as Prime Minister? Well, that's not a difficult question. I mean, if the question to me is would I prefer a Labour government over a Tory government. I, I detest the Tories and everything they stand for, so it's not difficult to answer that question. Uh, so so yes, you, you want to see but, Keir Starmer you know, in the Two things, two things. Firstly, you know, being better than the Tories is not a high bar to cross right now. I think we need to see more of a radical alternative from Labour rather than just a pale imitation. And if you're asking me, do I think either a Westminster Tory government or a Westminster Labour government is good enough for Scotland, then my answer to that question is no. Koonsberg turned to her panel of guests, which this week included the former Chancellor Alistair Darling. She asked Darling about his experience of handling the economic crisis of 2008. The key thing when you're facing a crisis is, amongst, is to be able to work with others who can help you. And one of the things that worries me about what happened in the last um, couple of weeks or so is it appears to me that the government was not talking to the Bank of England. And it looks like the Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee was completely blindsided about an announcement. Do you think they were in the dark? I, th I don't think... I, I, do, I have not spoken to them, but I do not think they knew what the government was going to do. Now, in every budget announcement uh, and every you know, statement that I made, I would always make sure that the governor of the Bank of England knew what we were doing, and we, we met very regularly. Instead, what you've seen is the government, and they're at it again today, trying to trash the Bank Bank of England, along with having excluded the Office of Budget Responsibility, this is undermining, it's the government's credibility that is being un undermined. And the unfortunate side effect, of the direct effect of this, is because of what's going on just now, interest rates are going to be higher than they would otherwise be, and of course that feeds directly into the amount of money pe people pay on their mortgages as well as, as prices generally. So I think the relationship between the government of the day and the Bank of England is absolutely critical. What you can't do is trash it and or just ignore it because they will pay a heavy price from that and I don't mind if the government's in trouble I do mind very much what's happening to our country uh, because you know our credibility is being damaged what we're having going to have to pay in the future because of high prices and so on that was hugely damaging to our growth prospects. Koonsberg sought the opinion of the former culture secretary Nadine Dorries on how this trust should try to pick up the pieces after the mini budget. And if she doesn't change course, what should happen then? Should she go to the country or should your party try to remove her? Well, well I believe that it's not so much changing course as perhaps nuancing 
um, the the policies and the mandate that she's taking forward in a slightly different way. You know, the, the fact is that just after a leadership election and at the start of a new administration, what we don't need is a disruptor. What we need is a unifier. And I think probably that the new prime minister has... has realise that over the last few weeks. And whereas I fully, I am fully on board with an agenda for growth, we also have to be very careful that we don't throw, and I've said this so many times before, the baby out with the bathwater. People voted for Boris Johnson, and it's not Liz Truss's fault that Conservative MPs removed him. And they also voted for a mandate and a manifesto. And but, you know, we can't throw what they voted for out also because then we've completely disenfranchised the voting public. So I would just ask Liz to consider carefully what it is. But if she doesn't reverse her plans and go back to that 2019 manifesto, what should happen then? Because what you said on social media the other day suggests that you think there could be a general election. She needs a fresh mandate. No, I was actually pointing out a, the simple um, principle of our democracy and our unwritten constitution is that if you're going to have a completely fresh mandate, a completely fresh set of policy ideas and a new prime minister, it would um, be right to go to the country. Liz doesn't need to do that, and I really hope she won't do that when we're 30 points behind in the polls. But what we do need to do is to, to ensure that the policies that are being announced, and I think, you know, that the, the Cabinet letter, which has been written by Cabinet Ministers to MPs today, asking them to unify behind Liz is the right thing to do. But I think also Number 10 need to take a step back and they need to think also about how they unify the party and the policies and how together we do what is right to move forward and to decrease that poll deficit. And finally on Sky, Trevor Phillips asked the Shadow Work and Pension Secretary, Jonathan Ashworth, for Labour's stance on a second Scottish independence referendum. The SNP have their conference. We are pretty sure that they will um, call for a second independence referendum. If Labour were in government, would it grant the SNP a second referendum? No. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on your iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.